Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the Rising is One Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blau, and I'll be taking you through today's episode. Today, I'll be joined by Kyle Mackey as we discuss the 2019 edition of the Phoenix Rising. We'll be covering the goalkeepers, the defenders, the midfielders, and the forwards, going through with some detailed analysis of each position, who we think's going to play, and who we think's going to be left behind. Later in the episode, we'll be hearing from Dominic Kearns as he interviewed Colin Fernandez at the Phoenix Rising Media Day earlier in the season. But first, a word about our sponsors. We'd like to thank the Arizona Sports Complex out on Pinnacle Peak Parkway. The Arizona Sports Complex has all sorts of birthday party packages from 20 to 40 guests, including a party host, playtime in the field, time in their cafe, pizza, and all sorts of great stuff. For the next birthday party you're playing on your calendar, check out the Arizona Sports Complex and make sure to tell them that the Risings One podcast sent you. Kyle, Dominic, and I would like to thank you for hanging with us as we continue to test our new equipment and our audio to make things better and make this a better podcast for all of you listeners out there. In the next segment, you'll hear some good audio, you'll hear some not good audio, and you'll hear some good takes and bad takes from both Kyle and I. So off we go for the Rising is One roster. Preview. All right, Kyle, well, we know that the Phoenix Rising roster is set. Everybody's talking about how strong this roster is, but the real question is how strong are we in which areas and who is actually going to play for this team on a starting basis. Uh, let's go ahead and start out with some goalkeepers. Uh, Kyle, who's your starting goalkeeper on this for this year? Uh, Carl Zinski, undoubtedly. I mean, I, I have plenty of love for Zach Lubin, but um, Waz has just been a, a favorite of mine. And just from what I've seen this past preseason, his ability to distribute the ball with his feet, um, I mean, it, he's just been amazing at the back and I really really am confident going into the season with him as our number one keeper yeah I'm right there with you Carl has shown uh, a little bit better of a season here or preseason so far uh, Brandon Keniston not ready for the big time yet although he did have <clears throat> really an outstanding half uh, against OKC Energy but Carl is the man on the back line Ultimately, though, uh, what questions does this core of players have to answer? I mean, we have three keepers here. Carl Wazinski, Zach Lubin, Brandon Keniston. Keniston being the young uh, academy player for us. Uh, what questions are they going to have to be answering uh, throughout the season? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm sure we won't see Wazinski in the back of the net consistently all season. So both of these guys, Lubin and Keniston, are going to have to step up and show that they can play at this USL level. Lubin, I think we can be confident with him as being our second string, but I really am high on Keniston. I want to see more of him. Um, I really would love to see us get a you know somewhat easier Open Cup opponent than we got last season and see him get the start in the Open Cup. I think that would be huge for his confidence, and it'd just be great to see. But, yeah, I mean, I think just getting these guys experience, whether it be in the, you know, in the midweek matches or just consistently in training, uh, it's going to be key because I think we do see Waz predominantly. And I don't think that that Coach Chance has a lot of hesitation in switching these guys out based on who is the hot player. We did see this a lot last season. We saw Waz at times. We saw Lubin at times. 
we actually saw, I think Lubin started started most of the games at the beginning of this season, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> before uh, before Waz sort of won, more, won the starting role back. Uh, and then Lubin won a starting role and then was pulled after he got injured. Yep. Uh, against, I believe it was Colorado Springs, and he had a cut, and then he didn't play much for the rest of the year. So I think this is a core group that is going to be able to see some level of rotation, uh, and I don't think that Waz is going to have that much of a problem stepping out. If he has a if he has a bad game or two, he's a mature enough leader to know that, hey, I'm going to go ahead and take a step back, let me get my mind right, Lubin will get some starts, if if it swaps back again, uh, these guys are mature, educated players that really understand how their role role is within this team, and to have them together for a second straight year, uh, I think is is uh, is a big benefit to this team. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Carl himself is a consummate <laughs> professional, and as is Zach. You know, they both want to see the best for this club. And, you know, regardless of who's in between the sticks, I know they're rooting for each other, but, you know, there is going to be competition in training as well because there's only one goalkeeper that can be on the pitch at a time, and you know both of them, all three, including Kiniston, they all want to be out there. So it's going to be a very tight battle, but I think it's one that, you know, we should feel blessed as Phoenix Rising to have because having two, you know, easily USL starter quality keepers and a young keeper in the wings, you know, that's just great blessings to have. So my one criticism is that it doesn't feel like Lubin has had an incredibly strong preseason. Uh, I think that there's been some miscommunication and some misplays as he's starting to try to get used to his defensive back line. Um, and I, and Kyle, I, I know we talked about that a little bit earlier uh, before we started recording. So we're really going to have to see how does Lubin adjust to, to a newer back line? How does that communication go? But that leads us into our, our next core group, and that's our defenders. So on our back line, we have Amadou Dia, A.J. Cochran, Joe Farrell, Mustafa Dumbaya, and then we have some backups in Duigi Mala and Logan Gadula. But boy, that we only really have two backups amongst that defender core. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Uh, not good. I mean, it shows we are very thin at that position. And, I mean, we even saw at times Colin Fernandez go into that left back position or right back excuse me position so I mean it's definitely you know probably our weakest point on this team I would say is defense just we don't have the depth that we have in the other areas and while the starting you know back line that we have that we've predicted is is very very strong and they do have some experience together in Dia and Farrell from last season it's still something that, you know, the knocks can come so easily and fast, especially when these guys are just getting into match fitness early on in the season, that it really is concerning that we have so few of reinforcements on our back line. You know, and as far as a center core in Cochran and Farrell, I, I'm very comfortable with these two guys. Uh, veterans, Joe is just a great guy. They, they seem to communicate well. They have similar body styles, similar playing styles. A.J. Cochran has shown an uncanny ability to go to ground, which you generally don't recommend, uh, but he goes to ground and he actually wins the ball uh, as opposed to going to ground and hitting yellows, which happens to be a problem that we tend to have on our left side with Amadou Dia, uh, really good defender, but an offensive-minded, uh, always offensive-minded, always wanting to push forward uh, and be that, that assist guy, that, uh, that passing guy. Uh, Amadou's 
really solidified in my mind as the guy who made the cross to D, uh, to Didier Drogba for his very first goal in a Phoenix Rising uniform. And it seems like he always has that thought that it's offense first. Uh, so that gives me real concern on that left side, even as with as much as I trust Amadou Dia. Yeah, it is concerning because, as you said, he, he when he gets forward, he's leaving that space open in the back. And the key is going to be, for him, communication and communicating with the midfielder on his side to get back in cover for him and as well with the center back who needs to you know kind of tighten up on the outside um it, it you know it's great to see dia get forward and down the field and we all love to see how dynamic he is on the ball and as you said i mean assisting to drogba on his first ever rising goal and he, there's been countless other great balls in that he he does it seems time and time again but as you said defense is his first responsibility and should be a priority and Hopefully that's something that was maybe tightened up in this preseason. You know, it seemed like he was still getting forward in some of those goals that we got torched on in Tucson, but it's all about, you know, putting the pieces together. There's been a lot of experimentation in preseason. Ultimately, the results have to start coming as of now, so we'll see how it goes. So that leads us to the other side of the field, and I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit nervous about Mustafa Dembaya. Uh, I do like his speed. I like his style. I like his panache. But just like what we mentioned with Amadou Dia, he seems to also press up forward quite a lot. And when he presses up forward, he leaves, leads our center backs on an island right in the middle and also decreases the effectiveness of uh, you know, your, your, your defensive midfielder in terms of um, James Musa or whoever else is going to be playing that role. So uh, those, are, those are a couple questions that I for sure have uh, about Mustafa Dubaya as the likely starter on the, as a right back. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, he's got speed for days, but it, it also is concerning just like Dia to where it seems like he gets forward and neglects his defensive responsibilities. And, you know, being that we only have two center backs, <laughs> unfortunately, um, it's, it's going to be really tough. I mean, it's going to be constant coordination I feel like amongst these guys when they are getting forward being sure that whoever needs to plug in either a defensive midfielder or just the wing on that side they have to get back and cover because teams will catch us out on that they will notice it and it will result in goals you know we saw it time and time again with these MLS teams USL teams might not have the finishing quality but they're still going to create those opportunities and we just can't leave our goalkeeper and our center backs out to dry like that it's really going to be important that when these backs, the left and right, get forward, that someone is covering that space. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you, we have Dweeji Mala as a, as a key substitute. We have Logan Gadula, who I really don't know enough about to, to be able to speak. Uh, he played a few minutes uh, and unfortunately was injured uh, pretty quickly in the match that he, he was featured in. So you, we'll see how things go. Uh, ultimately, I think the big question is going to be, do we by the end of the season do we find Colin Fernandez or James Musa actually on that back line in some way, shape, or form? I mean, I think either one of them have been, you know, kind of tinkered with back there. James Musa in a more center back role and Colin Fernandez in a right back. I wouldn't be surprised to see either one fill in at, at certain points in time. I also wouldn't be surprised to see us go out there and try to get possibly another right back or center back. We all saw Batista and how great he did for Phoenix against Portland. He's one player that I really, as selfish as it is, I would like him to see a loaned out from LAFC to Phoenix. I think he would improve our team immensely. But, you know, regardless of who we have, 
we need to put out that strongest pairing and be sure that they're just communicating because I think with the new you know newly paired back line this is going to be so critical in the early days of the season to communicate with one another and be sure that when we're getting forward or when we're out of positioning to get back into a no, just make sure that we fill in those gaps because if we leave them wide open, goals can trickle in. Yeah, so talking about moving forward, and, and this is really where Phoenix Rising has an embarrassment of riches. Uh, this, this, the number of midfielders we have on this squad is really uh, – <laughs> I, I just don't know who's going to play and, and how this is going to all, all work out. Uh, we kind of have the same issue that we had last year where we just have so many midfielders and how do we make sure that everybody's getting time to be able to develop uh, so that they can develop their own, uh, they can develop team chemistry, that they can develop uh, team leadership and, and whatnot in terms of this squad. So uh, <coughs> what Jeff Went in his, uh, in his team preview has as likely starters include Kevon Lambert and as a defensive midfielder, Junior Fleming's on the left, Colin Fernandez, uh, kind of like as your, your, your middle left back midfielder, I guess you would say, or, or attacking midfielder, Joey Calistri, also in an attacking midfielder role, and Solomon Asante uh, over on the right-hand side. But, of course, that leaves out a very talented Jose Aguinaga, uh, a, a recuperating Alessandro Ricci, Gladson Awako, the young Devin Vega, and James Musa as well in that defensive midfielder role. So let's talk about defensive midfielder and, and, and see uh, what we're thinking in terms of that, that defensive midfielder role. Is Kevon Lambert the right piece? Is James Musa the right piece? Uh, you know, are we talking uh, Jamaica or New Zealand? What what what's your what's your pick here? Uh, Jamaica all day, man. I mean, I it, I there's nothing against Musa, but I think Lambert. We can all agree he's just the out and out first string defensive midfielder for this squad. I mean, he's just completely improved his game, I feel like, over the past two seasons. Not only now, as you said, is he able to get all the way across the field so quickly, but I think he's going down for tackles just as much as A.J. Cochran. He really has no fear putting his leg in there and just, you know, controlling that back line and just protecting them. I really think that he's improved as far as his defensive-mindedness. I think he used to want to get forward more and, you know, rip those shots from beyond the box, and he still has the knack for it, but I think Kavon is no doubt our starting defensive midfielder. I'm right there with you. I think he's uh, definitely been the most entertaining to watch over the past, I don't know, you know, maybe season and a half or so. Ever since we acquired him, he's been really great to be able to see. I think a lot of us were expecting him to be, see him riding the bench of, uh, the Sounders or LAFC or something like that. Uh, so it's great that we're able to keep him in, keep him in his role. Uh, I'll, I'll say that I, while I appreciate James Moose, I had a great interaction with him down in Tucson after the OKC game. Uh, he's, a, he's a really great guy. He had a really rough match in that particular match. Uh, and there were def definitely some real miscommunications between him and the back line. I also think Musa hasn't been able to be featured very well because He's essentially had to drop back to be part of a three-back set uh, as, as we've had Dia and Dubaya moving up the sides. So it's almost that Musa's been playing, playing a, center, uh, a, uh, a center back role as opposed to what we've traditionally been able to see. So it is going to be really interesting to see the interplay between Lambert, who I don't think has gotten a ton of play in preseason, uh, Musa, and then in that whole back line. 
Moving on to our outside backs, or I, I'm sorry, our outside midfielders, our wing mid midfielders, uh, we have Junior Flemings and Solomon Asante, who are really the natural fits. Uh, what's your view on Junior Flemings? How how have you seen uh, him doing as far as this this uh, preseason's going? I really like how he's fit in with the team so far. Um, I mean, I think he has a great knack to, to just make his way down the wing, to find open spaces, and to be able to move the ball very quickly. We also saw he you know, has a great ability to scoop the ball up and to do some great passes as he's you know, made that great pass for Adam John to, to put that um, goal in against the Portland Timbers for that win of preseason, the lone win of preseason at that. So I really like what I've seen from Flemings. He's another guy who I haven't seen the most from him in preseason. I think that was his biggest contribution so far. But I really think as the season goes on, he's going to come into this team. I think he had six goals last season. I expect to see more from him this year. I could even see him getting about ten goals, maybe five assists. I really think he's going to be key on that left wing. So my real question is, has he done enough to unseat Jason Johnson? Jason Johnson, team leader, 2007, 2017 goals team leader, tied with uh, tied for 11 goals with uh, Didier Drogba. Johnson wasn't tremendously effective last year in a very, very crowded midfield. Here we are in another crowded midfield. Is Jason Johnson being left behind for his countryman, Junior Flemings? I personally think that Jason Johnson may be left behind to start the season. That's not to say he can't work his way into that position, but personally, I think that Schantz went out and got Flemings for a reason. I think that Flemings starts there for the season, but I don't think that Jason Johnson is left out all season. I think he'll float in between that left wing and even in a striker position. But I mean, that's not to say that if Flemings has an off night or gets a knock, I think Johnson can fill in seamlessly. I mean, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches to be able to have a guy like Jason Johnson waiting in the wings. I think there's a lot of, lot of folks out there who are also looking for Johnson to move back into a middle role. <clears throat> that Part of the reason why he wasn't quite as effective as he could have been was because he was stuck on the wing, and he's much more comfortable in, the, in that center role. That center role looks to be... Getting, uh, looks, looks like it's going to be filled by uh, former St. Louis FC player Joey Colistri, uh, who's had a pretty strong preseason as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on Calistri? Uh, Calistri's had a great preseason, I thought. I really like his ability on the ball and just his goal-scoring ability. We saw it against New York Red Bulls that when he just smashed that ball into the net. Um, I really, really think that he's going to be a key in developing our play this season, you know. Last year we had Drogba kind of playing as our number 10, and this season I think we see both Kalistri and Aguanaga kind of switch off and interchange in that role because both of those guys on the ball, I think their ability to just move the ball in tight spaces, and Jose especially, I mean, just turning on the ball, he can do it on a dime. So both of them, I think they can fill in at that spot and they are where our attack flows through. And, of course, what can we say about Solomon Asante? Uh, I don't know if he'll be wearing the captain's armband, or not, but he certainly is the the engine that makes this whole uh, the whole vehicle that we know as Phoenix Rising go. Uh, in the off season, it was talked about him rejoining the Black Stars as, uh, in terms of the Ghanaian national team. He kind of got snubbed for that, including by I believe the head coach, who made a comment, "Hey, look, a guy's having success at the second division in the U.S." And you think that he belongs on our on, on the Black Stars on the national team? Uh, very. So I think Asante is coming into the season 
I believe is a 28-year-old with a real chip on his shoulder so that he can show, go back and show his countrymen that he is really doing something special here, even though it's second division U.S. soccer. You're absolutely right. And Asante, you know, he's naturally always been a humble guy, but I think this will fire him up just to show that, hey, you know, we may be Division Two, but he's still making a lot of noise week in and week out with his consistent play out on the wing. And, yeah, I mean, you touched on it. He's the energy that we have. And I really think that when he's on the field, we're a completely different team. The players that he plays with just feed off of him. They feed off of his knack to win the ball and to retain the ball. And I just, I really, really think Asante is easily the right wing favored number one. And the guy that I really feel for is Rigi because it's going to be so difficult for him to get minutes coming back from this injury with Asante just dominating that right wing position. Yeah, we do have him down as a, as a key substitute, but he's got a long ways to go. Uh, the last last member of our starting uh, of our starting squad for our midfield is Colin Fernandez. Colin Fernandez seems to be this guy who's kind of like your utility player in baseball. Uh, the guy who can play third, he can play shortstop, he can play second. If you run him out in the, in, in the outfield, he can do that, and maybe he can even play catcher sometimes. Uh, Colin Fernandez is going uh, to be able to rotate in between uh, that attacking midfielder, defensive midfielder role uh, a, a little bit um, with some interplay with, with Kevon Lambert and, or, or James Musa. I think that the three of them, Lambert, Musa, Fernandez, they're going to be rotating amongst each other quite a bit throughout the season uh, with Lambert taking that, taking that primary role. But Fernandez is going to be playing alongside of him in sort of the, the, the bottom of that, of that diamond formation that, that we play with in, in the midfielder role. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely there, Fernandez, like you said. I mean, he's just been the Swiss Army knife of players for us able to fill in any, anywhere and just has, you know, these little tips and tricks that he's able to pull out when they're needed most. And I think it's it's so amazing to have such a versatile player. And, I mean, there's no doubt that's absolutely why we gave him another contract with Phoenix because he's just done so much for us in his time. And though he hasn't seen the most minutes, when he does, he takes advantage of them. So he's definitely, I think, right now starting in that midfield. Well, so ultimately, who does this all leave out? It leaves out Jose Agunaga, Alessandro Rigi, Gladson Awako, who is yet, <clears throat> I think, to join the team, uh, Devin Vega, and James Musa. Uh, Agunaga, the, the Spaniard, having a very good uh, preseason, already solidifying himself as a fan favorite. Uh, great smile, great attitude, great play. Uh, down at OKC, he forgot to take off his penny before he started playing, so... Uh, he, he got razzed a little bit by some FC Tucson players who were watching him warm up and had to tell him to make sure to take off, take off his penny before hitting the field. Uh, but really a good guy. Um, Alessandro Rigi, just like what you said, how much time is he going to spend at FC Tucson? How much time is it going to take him to rehab? He took his rehab incredibly seriously. If you followed him on Instagram, he was out in, um, in Qatar, uh, in Doha, doing you know, uh, doing physical therapy with some of the best physical therapists in the world. So he, he took this really seriously, and if he doesn't get his playing time uh, after he, he feels that he's ready, I'm very concerned about uh, what Rigi's role in this organization is going to look like. Yeah, no, I, it, you're absolutely right, and I think that Rigi especially, he's one player that he's done, he hasn't had the biggest impact for Phoenix 
But I also could say that he has in the fact that when he's been healthy, he's, he's done so much for us on the field and bringing energy very similar to what Asante does for us. And I mean, for me, I really think that Tucson is a great opportunity for Rigi to develop. It's nowhere near as glamorous as what Phoenix Rising is and playing for Phoenix Rising is. But I think that Rigi, being the professional he is, as you talked about, taking so much time and care into his rehabilitation, I think that he could see the opportunity for him in Tucson that's being presented, and I think he takes advantage of it. I would not be surprised to see him light up League One with Tucson this year. Yeah, this is a, not a situation like what we had, I think, maybe with Vasquez on our back line. He knew he got injured. He knew that his career was relatively done uh, and was just sort of biding his time, supporting the team, being that locker room guy, uh, and being that practice, uh, that, that practice team player. Rigi doesn't want that. Rigi wants playing time. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, then we have, how about Devin Vega? Devin Vega, this guy is hungry. I mean, he is skinny as he can be but he is hungry to play. Uh, so we'll have to see how, how is it going to be that he's going to fit onto this squad? Where is he going to get his time from? Uh, I love the kid. I just love the way that he plays. I love the passion in which he plays. Uh, I want to see him on the field as much as possible. But then I look, I'm looking at these starting guys going, uh, but who do I pull off? And I think Chance is going to have a real problem with trying to find Vegas some playing time. Yeah, no, that is the problem, is that we have all these guys who are clearly ahead of Devin Vega in their play and development right now, but that's not to say that Vega doesn't have the potential to be there one day. The problem is, is the season starts next week, and we need the Devin Vega future now. Um, it's, I mean, it, it, is, it is a very difficult decision for Chance, but I also, I'll say it time and time again, this FC Tucson program and academy being able to take players down to Tucson and have them play week in and week out and develop, I think it's going to be a key for a lot of our bench guys who aren't seeing regular minutes. Devin Vega, Rigi, even um, Logan Dula. I think we see Dula go down to Tucson quite a bit and get some minutes and come back up to Phoenix when we need him there on the bench. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really going to be difficult for Vega to get into the squad. I know he had some good, you know, showings in preseason, but I just, I really think it's going to be too much um, for him to cope with, just the amount of players that are surrounding him. And then when Iwako finally does join the team, yep. what, what's his met level of match fitness going to look like? He's obviously a month behind everybody else due to visa issues. I'm going to blame it on the, the government shutdown. Uh, you, whether that's true or not, who knows. Uh, but the, what role is he going to end up playing, and how is he going to be able to deal with the preseason? Also, probably needs to spend his preseason time down in Tucson training with those guys as well. Yeah, uh, no, Iwako's another guy who, who, yeah, I mean, missed out on preseason completely, and I'm sure he's been doing some work back home in Africa, but, I mean, it can't be anywhere near as the intensity as what he would be getting out here with Phoenix Rising and just getting acclimated to, to the Phoenix conditions themselves. Um, it's it's definitely going to be tough. I mean, it's not something that I think any of us foresaw when Iwako re-signed. And I think maybe these visa issues are even why we went out and signed more players in his position, just to be sure that we did have someone to fill into that role when the ball drops next month on or next week on March 9th. Well, and that brings us to probably the shortest section that we have to deal with here, and uh, that is our forwards. And uh, uh, <laughs> the, 
our, our list of forwards isn't particularly long here. Uh, we have uh, Adam John is uh, pretty much the unanimous likely starter here, being backed up by Ben Spencer, Jason Johnson, and Gilbert product Elijah Paul. What are your thoughts on how, how John's come out this season and uh, what he's bringing to the table? I love what I've seen from, from John so far. Um, I, I really think, I mean, he is going to be a like-for-like like replacement of Chris Cortez. Um, just, I mean, they do the same things very, very, very well. And I, I really think his aerial ability is going to be such a huge asset, something that Chris had in spades and something that I think that Adam's just going to replicate on. I think he's just going to continue and pick up where he left yeah. off. I think he'll absolutely be our leading goal scorer this season. Jason Johnson, though, he's one guy who he's listed as a forward, but I think we can all say that we've seen him play in the midfield and succeed in the midfield plenty of times. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is we are so short in that striker forward position. Um, I mean, that's it's the one area where you really could say we, we do need to sign someone with maybe a little bit more experience. Ben Spencer and Elijah Paul are both very young in their professional careers. But, I mean, I also think that we can adapt to that. Um, Adam John is a player who hasn't seen the majority of minutes throughout his career. He, you know, hasn't always been very high in the minutes played throughout the season, and I expect this season for him to play a lot. I would think, you know, over a couple thousand minutes this year, just given the fact that he's going to be probably our number one striker consistently. I think you make a really good point there, and it's actually something I hadn't even thought about, is that Adam John has not seen really consistent playing time at almost any point in his career. So here, if we're bringing him in and we're asking him to play that Chris Cortez role where we're talking about you know playing seven days rest, play seven days rest, play four days rest, play three days rest, I mean, uh, is he going to be able to stand up to, to that really rigorous pace and uh, I mean, it's not that he's old, but he is he is one of the one of the older folks who is on the squad. <clears throat> so is that when we go ahead and bring in Ben Spencer? Is that when we put in Jason Johnson? Um, Elijah Paul, I don't anticipate is going to see any playing time except for maybe a couple minutes in in uh, open cup play. Uh, you bring up a really really good perspective there. Not something I'd thought about at all. Uh, Ben Spencer, not somebody who I've actually studied at all. I really don't know much about him. I do know that he played in a couple of those preseason matches. Uh, he did have at least one goal, I believe. Uh, it seems like a guy that the organization's pretty high on because they were already shooting pictures of him in jerseys at, at media, and at media day before they'd even announced him as a signed player for the team. Uh, this seems like it's a pick of maybe Coach, uh, Coach Schantz uh, maybe this is a Sam Dor pick. I'm not sure, but it's a little bit of a surprise that he was already being included on just about everything team-wise before the ink was even put to paper. Yeah, yeah, it, it really was surprising. I mean, I know there was a lot of people on rising Twitter kind of wondering, who is this guy? Who you is know? that guy exactly, in that picture? Exactly, you know, taking taking that still frame of the photo and looking him up on the Internet and looking at, you know, recent try lists and everything. Um, I really liked what I've seen of Ben Spencer so far. I mean, he is a big, tall kid. Very young, though. Still has a lot to develop, but, I mean, very similar body type to Adam, Yon, Adam John. Sorry, And I, I really think that it's... He's going to be a guy who probably sees more minutes in the forward position than Jason Johnson. I know Jason Johnson is familiar there, but I agree with you. I just don't think that that is his best position. I think when 
when he's up front, he kind of gets iso isolated a little bit. I really like to see him inside in that central midfielder role. Um, so, yeah, I think Ben Spencer will see a lot of minutes. As you said, Elijah Paul probably won't see much. Will probably be moved down to Tucson, and I think that'd be a good fit for him. So a couple interesting small connections there uh, about Ben Spencer. He comes out of the same Chivas USA team uh, that gave us Chris Cortez. Chris Cortez uh, played for that Chivas USA before they folded. So did Ben Spencer. So he, he had experience there. Also, Spencer comes out of the Toronto FC uh, system, uh, TFC, TFC2 system as well, uh, from which, which is led by uh, Valley product uh, Greg Vanny. So uh, this is a kind of a, a guy with maybe some interesting little factoid connections uh, to the Phoenix area. It's, it's going to be good to see him and good to see him playing. Yeah, yeah, it'll be absolutely great to see him playing. And I know he was with Toronto, and I believe he was actually there when they won the MLS Cup. So has a little bit of a championship run experience. And he's also from the Southwest, not from Arizona, but from Albuquerque, New Mexico. So still, you know, close to his roots, close to being back home. So, yeah, I, I, he's a player that I think the rising staff has been high on him for the right reasons. And from what I've seen, I think he's going to be hopefully – uh, here to stay in Phoenix because it really seems like he could develop under Adam John and become our out-and-out -out striker one day. And, uh, of course, we already did discuss uh, a little bit about Jason Johnson, uh, really wondering what his role is going to end up being. I really still think if we can find some sort of a role for him in the center of the field, I think that that's going to play to his strengths more than anything else, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I could almost see him filling in for Joey Kalistri, where he is in that middle right of the midfield. Um, Jason Johnson, I mean, just has pace for days, and his, his technical ability on the ball is just great as well. And I really think that he's so familiar with the core of this team. He's been here in Phoenix for so long, and I think early on in the season when guys don't have that chemistry, I think having that and having him in the midfield could really be a strong point for us. Yeah, and then, of course, so wrapping up with Elijah Paul, again, uh, the Gilbert product, going to be it's really nice to be able to see a, another local guy kind of fill in that Evan Wald for a local connection role I uh, want to give a shout out to the Arizona Soccer Association uh, that did an interview with Elijah Paul on the AZ Kicks It show uh, if you have a chance to check that out we'll make sure to retweet that out at some point this week uh, that way you can get to know the young player and uh, and his very very smiley very happy face to be playing for a professional soccer team on an academy contract. Yeah, I mean, what what's not to be happy about for this kid? I mean, he's he's getting to play professional soccer in his hometown, and he's not even 18. I mean, it's it's just insane to be able to have you know this kind of experience for kids that you know up until two three years ago was completely unheard of and it never happened in the state of Arizona. So it's it's great to see, and it's just got to be encouraging for all those young kids out there in their development right now, but knowing that if they work hard, they could work their way up to the rising. And really, speaking of development, I mean, here we have, uh, and we're seeing this in several different places, San Antonio just signed a 15-year-old player uh, to an academy contract. Phoenix Rising here signs Elijah Paul at, at 16 years old. Uh, everybody's looking for the next uh, uh, Efren Alvarez. I mean, this... And uh, hopefully we'll be able to find, find one of those here in Arizona. 
But really, Efren Alvarez set the world alight last year. Uh, starting with us, he actually lit, literally lit us on fire. Uh, he had a, he had a um, he had a hat trick against us uh, to pretty much garner all the attention. And what's he do yesterday in the first week of, of MLS play? He sets up. First of all, he makes a real nifty move, like he's going to be playing a ball back uh, from from sort of the top of the box. Instead, cuts over with a left foot, um, pokes a ball up to put a header on the ball. LA Galaxy goal. I think that that, that ball he served up was to uh, uh, Zlatan. Was that? Uh, I, I, I didn't see it. I didn't research it enough. But it wasn't because I'm so looking at everything that Alvarez is doing. I don't even care about Zlatan anymore. I care about this this kid, Efren Alvarez. Uh, and and uh, look, I'm not saying that Elijah Paul is going to be our, our Efren Alvarez. But it's really great that, that we're looking at the opportunities for young people. We're de- trying to develop talent and give them the opportunity to play. Uh, and maybe at some point we're going to strike gold. Well, yeah, if we don't give them the opportunity, we'll never know. Um, and I mean, it, yeah, I, I think he assisted to somebody named Zlatan. I vaguely, vaguely have heard of him before. But um, no, I think, I think it's critical that these clubs start to develop their youth academies. It's something that I think some MLS teams haven't fully adopted. Ones that I know that have, Dallas especially, they have a great youth academy. And they've seen a lot of players come through and, you know, make it onto their first team. And I think it's something that will really help to grow this game and to help keep our best players here here in the U.S. I know right now the dream is to go play in Europe, but for a lot of them, there should be nothing wrong with dreaming of staying here in the U.S. with their family locally and, and playing and expanding the game you know, here and not having to go abroad. Um, I think it's something that we're just now starting to see the tip of the iceberg. Youth development is just such a hot little phrase right now, and I think it's something that this league, especially USL, is going to focus on over the coming years. Yeah, USL League 2, USL League 1, USL Championship, really trying to fit, fill that role of providing a path to pro uh, all, all the way up the chain here, uh, with whether they sign with an independent USL Championship team or, or uh, a, a, a two-team, really trying to figure out what the USL's role in that development cir- circle is. But USL, did, USL and MLS has done a hell of a job uh, finding Efren Alvarez, and we'll see what we can find. Will Brandon Keniston be, be uh, the goalkeeper of the future? Will Elijah Paul? What, where is Devin Vega in his young career going to end up? Uh, it's going to be a really exciting season for this squad and for all the Phoenix Rising fans that are out there. Yeah, no, it's so fun to watch and to see these players grow. And as you said, you know, it's, they're still very young in their development and then they're you know, pro career, so it's not out of the question to see these guys possibly get a U.S. men's national team call-up. Well, that's it for our Phoenix Rising roster preview. Please go head on over to firebirdsoccer.net, and you can read an article that covers a little bit more about the roster. Check out phxrising.com, phoenixrising.com, and you can read more about the roster there as well. That's it for this segment. And uh, we'll see you next week with a preview of the Western Conference, the entire Western Conference, top to bottom with predictions and ratings. Thanks, Kyle, so much. Thank you. Well, we sure hope that you enjoyed listening to that as much as we enjoyed talking about it. You can read Jeff Wentz's article at firebirdsoccer.net for more information on the roster 
and some more hot takes. Phoenix Rising announced that the Pub 2 Pitch Shuttle is going to return for yet another season. And for all those folks in downtown Phoenix and in that area, there's going to be an added bus for that as well. So there's going to be kind of a Tempe-ish bus, there's going to be a Gilbert bus, there's going to be a downtown bus, and there's going to be kind of a, a more Scottsdale bus. For more information on that, check out phxrisingfc.com uh, to check out the, the pickup times and arrival times so that you can get to the pitch safe and sound and get back after having a great time. The team also announced not one but two watch parties for the first weekend match on Saturday, March 9th. Phoenix Rising will be playing in San Antonio, and our watch parties will be hosted at Casino Arizona Sports Bar on 92nd Street in Scottsdale and the Paz Cantina and Cafe at 330 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. Make sure you head on out, support the Pub to Pitch partners, and uh, hang out with your fellow Phoenix Rising fans in Central Phoenix and in Scottsdale. In non-Phoenix Rising news, FC Arizona the NPSL squad, has already played three matches. The team opened the season with a draw against Albion's uh, soccer club San Diego and just had two consecutive wins in about a three-day span against Orange County FC. No, that's not Orange County SC, or that's Orange County FC. So congrats to FC Arizona for beating Orange County and proving once again Arizona or owns the Orange County. And also picked up another three points against AS Los Angeles, a new expansion squad into the NPSL territory. FC Arizona's second home match, it will be on Friday, March 8th, against the City of Angels Football Club at Mesa High School on East Southern Avenue. That match is going to kick off at 7 p.m. For more information, check out fcarizona.com. Finally, the Rising is One podcast and Firebird soccer family would like to congratulate Chaparral High School, Campo Verde, South Point Catholic, Northwest Christian, and the Northland Prep Academy girls state champions. That's your 6A through your 2A state champions. And your boys state champions are Brophy, Sunnyside, South Point Catholic, Coronado, and Phoenix Country Day School. There's some really great programs in there with both Campo Verde boys and girls making it to the championship match and Sal Point Catholic taking home the state championship at the 4A level for both boys and girls soccer. If you have interest in covering state boys or girls soccer for Firebird Soccer or Rising's One, shoot us a message over at, at Firebird site or at Rising Pod, and we'd love to hear from you for next season. That's it for this week's Firebird Soccer calendar. As we promised, Dom has a great interview with midfielder Colin Fernandez. That's coming up next on the Rising is One podcast. Hello, I'm here with second-year Phoenix Rising player Colin Fernandez. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, what are you most excited about going into year two with Phoenix Rising? I think uh, the most exciting thing is is uh, that it's a new year and it's we have something to build on and what we look forward to from last year's standpoint we're looking we're looking to win the, the cup. I mean we got so close and to get so close we want to go even further now. Last season was a year of transition with the head coaching change midway through. 
What's it been like working with Rick Schantz and his whole staff this entire offseason? Oh, it's been great. I mean, I caught up with, I talked to Blair, the assistant coach, and a lot over the offseason, so it was good for me. Um, then coming into the new season, we already knew what Rick wanted, and we were ready to go right off the bat. And uh, I know we get a lot of young signings, but you're pretty young yourself. How old are you? Uh, 22. And what was your background before making it to Phoenix Rising? Uh, so I played for three years in Chicago uh, with the Chicago Fire, and I was loaned out um, every one of those three years. First year, 2015, in Louisville. Second year in St. Louis. And then my third year, I was in Tulsa. Um, all great experience for me, but uh, being here in Phoenix has been the best so far. Um, and I know that there's going to be a lot of competition for spots. Does that phase you, or are you ex- excited about that? Uh, I'm excited. I mean, when there's a when there's competitive uh, competitiveness in the team and people who have to fight for their jobs every single day, then that's what you that's when you get the best out of your teammates. You get the best out of your team, and that's when the team's doing the best. Is there one moment so far in the Rising Kit that stands out to you, like a favorite play from last season or anything? Uh, the game against the Galaxy last year at home, we were uh, we were down three one at halftime. Came into the second half and we were we were pissed off. We were fired up at halftime and we we knew that we had to go out and win the game. So we came out forty uh, eighth minute, I think. I got a ball across, uh, in the box, crossed it to Alessandro Rigi. He scored, so it was three two. Then ten minutes later, we scored another goal three three. And then in like the 80th minute, Didier scored a PK and we won 4-3. So t- just that day, that game was just amazing. The atmosphere was awesome. The fans were amazing. I was there and I remember it well. And yeah. You had a role in kickstarting that comeback, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were there any big halftime speeches or it was just everyone deciding to pull uh, it together? I mean, Didier got pretty mad at us. He, was, he told us that if we were going to play like this, we wouldn't win anything. Um, but... His motive, his he motivated us to work harder, and we knew what we had to do. We didn't worry, we didn't, we weren't worried about anything. We weren't worried about losing the game. Um, we just had to go out there and play and do our thing. A couple of fun questions as we wrap this up. What's one road trip you like going on, and one you don't? One road trip I like. Uh, I like going to the Pacific Northwest. Um, it used to be uh, used to go play Seattle. Portland um, and Vancouver, but now you just go to play Seattle and Portland. But um, I just love it up there. It's really cool. A lot of stuff to do. Um, it's just fun. And then one I don't like, uh, I don't like going to Oklahoma City. <laughs> Ooh, um, sticking with your Tulsa roots. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind going to Tulsa, but OKC isn't fun. The, the, yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> not the greatest venue, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's something fun that fans might not know about you? Fun. Uh, today's my birthday. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Um, Any big plans? No, nah, just dinner with the family, that's all. Alright. And what's one personal goal that you're looking forward to this season? Personal? Uh, sorry for putting you on the spot yeah, right there. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, personal goal just such a team player you just want the yeah. team success right that's what i was just gonna say i want to make it to the final just as bad as everyone else on my team and i want to win it all so um <laughs> i mean that's a personal goal right yeah yeah to make it to the final be in that team win that and then hoist that cup all right colin thank you so much for your time yep thank you
Yes, thank you, Colin, for that great interview. And, of course, thank you to Dom for being there at the Phoenix Rising Media Day to bring players' thoughts to you via the Rising's One podcast. And we couldn't be the Rising's One podcast without Roughneck Scarves. Roughneckscarves.com. Custom scarves as low as $7 per scarf. Five easy steps to get to your custom scarf. Check out roughneckscarves.com. That's it for this week's edition of the Rising is One podcast. As you can maybe tell from the past couple podcasts, we're trying to keep all of our episodes to right about an hour or less so that you can get all of your good listening information in in just one hour. If you have, if you have any feedback for us, feel free to hit us up on Twitter using at RisingPod. If you have any compliments, send them my way at FitBoffPhoto. Any complaints, you can send that to Dominic Kearns at DomK49. Thanks a lot, everybody, and we're looking forward to coming back with you with a match recap next week after we have a win against San Antonio FC on Saturday night. Thank you, and up rising. <laughs>